talking about having a victorious mindset. Hallelujah. I think I'm, hey, hallelujah. I was. I was on the teaching I did before. Okay. My uh, laptop, I should have cleaned it before I came. It's got so many fingerprints on it. Can't see the. Can't hardly see my laptop. I mean my iPad. Can't even see the monitor, you know. Praise God. Oh, oh, I've got a how about that? Maybe that'll help. Usually I usually I clean it with those eyeglass cleaners that are just pure alcohol, you know. Hallelujah. Yeah, it is better. Thank you. Okay, Romans twelve two, let's go there. This is still an experiment, this iPad, but I mean, I see other people do it. Sid Roth and other people, I'm like, I can do that. I think Wynn even did it, didn't he? Romans 12, 2. <clears throat> well, we could start in one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to belabor it, but just the fact that when you're born again, it's instant, but that we then are responsible for the renewing of our minds, that God's not going to renew our minds for us. That's pretty obvious if you look out at the Christian community, that God doesn't do anything about renewing your mind and that we have to do it. Hallelujah. James 1.21 I think because of Christians with unrenewed mind is one of the reasons that we have Christians that aren't full of joy and happy and, uh, you know, that we don't have the victory. But we sang about tonight that we've got the victory. Hallelujah. And the more our minds renewed, the more we'll be able to uh, live in that victory. Romans, uh, James 1.21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, hallelujah, which is able to save your souls. So soul salvation is a process. It's mind renewal, as well as bringing your will and your emotions under subjection to Jesus and the Word of God. And let's say this together. Uh, the, word the Word is Lord of my life. See, we need to have that mentality, not just, well, Jesus Christ is my Lord, and uh, hallelujah, but the Word is Lord of my life. And we proved that one Sunday morning by looking at John 1, 1, where the, the Word was God and was with God, and, and the Word became flesh and dealt, dwelt among us. Then you, if Jesus is the Word, then we can go over to Philippians 4, where it says uh, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that the Word is Lord. And so we don't have to be coerced into doing that or are made to do that. We can openly and declare the Word of God is Lord of my life. Hallelujah. And that's the focus that we need to have. Philippians 2.5. I believe Pastor read this one Sunday morning, if I'm not mistaken. One Sunday he did anyway. Hallelujah. For, no, that's not it. Anybody know where it says, let this mind be in you, which was, it's 2.5? Oh, I'm in one five. That's why I don't match. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Two five. Uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. But if Jesus had to grow in wisdom, 
we will have to grow in wisdom. If Jesus had to grow in favor, we will grow in favor. We won't just have, we do get a measure, I believe, of favor when we're born again. The, that, that, that seed of favor is put in us, just like that measure of faith is put in every man as they're born again. But we can grow that favor. And we have to grow in favor with God. We have to grow in favor with man. And what we do with His Word is how much favor we're going to grow in. Hallelujah. You're not going to be able to grow in favor apart from His Word and apart from the doing and the keeping and the pursuit of His Word. Hallelujah. Romans 13, 14. And you know, this is not unusual teaching for the kind of people we are. We consider ourselves to be word people and we are in pursuit of, uh, of the word of God. But it's important that we not just pursue the word to know the word or to hear a new fancy teaching, but we pursue the word to think like God, therefore act like God. And so we have to expect that we're going to have to change some of the ways we think and we are actually going to have to do the word. We're going to have to get up and act on what we hear. There's a lot of Christians that follow the word around. They even follow specific teachers around. What do we call them when they follow a specific teacher around? There's a word we have for that. Anyway, uh, a groupie or uh, <laughs> or something, you know. And you know, there's teachers that go everywhere. Keith Moore goes, and there's people. I mean, people. There's people that go everywhere. Uh, Bill Winston goes. Hallelujah. And you can do that. And there's a lot of people following and never doing. Hallelujah. Isn't that the truth? Romans 13, 14. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on. I know pastor used that one. Son. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill, fulfill the lusts thereof. So we put on Christ. Well, what are we putting on? Well, we're putting on the way he thinks. We're putting on the way he acted. Hallelujah. And so it's a constant thing of putting that on because our minds want to go one way, our, our, our will wants to have its way, and our emotions want to flake out on us sometimes. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? So we got to be willing to change. I know last year we were praying with the Averys out at their church on a Sunday night, and he had us pray to be willing to change. And boy, something in my heart just resonated about that, that we as Christians have to be willing to change. And, you know, I know most of us would say we are, but there's probably some area in our life where you go, mm -mm, not there. Hallelujah. You know, one person said that we say, Jesus, be Lord of my life, but don't but don't ask me to change anything. And and uh, hallelujah. And don't sit in my chair. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So we got to be teachable. And that being teachable also means that we're willing to receive. Uh, uh, Pastor Webb used to say, um, don't matter where you go, you can learn something. Even if you learn what not what what not to do, <laughs> Hallelujah, praise God. So you can learn something if we stay in a teachable. I think there's sometimes I people come in this church and I can tell they're not very teachable. Wow. They're just looking for another Baptist church. You know, they're not teachable. They don't want to learn anything new and, and you know come out of their comfort zone in any way. We got to be coachable. Hallelujah. We have to humble ourselves. The Bible says if we'll humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt us. And you know, pride is what keeps us from being teachable and laziness and other things. And fear, I, I, you know, God scrambled my world several times. You know, when we came out of the Baptist church, I got my world scrambled to believe, you know, 
with word of faith and stuff, but then Pastor Buzzy came in and he taught us some things and my heart knew it was true, but that wasn't how I learned it. And so I, and I remember for a time just feeling like, oh my Lord, you know, I don't, I don't, and then finally I caught on and now I'm okay with that. And then, you know, here lately, Pastor, uh, the, 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 the Lord's been leading Pastor and I in some other ways of praying and doing things and, uh, and, uh, hallelujah. Glory to God, other ways of seeing things through Andrew Womack and then other people like Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker and people like that. And, uh, and, uh, hallelujah. At first you feel a little like, okay, that's not how I learned it. And this feels insecure. And I'm, I'm not sure. I don't even know how to pray. <laughs> hallelujah. But that's okay. We'll, we, we have to be willing and we'll catch. We'll catch what God's doing. And we have to, God's always fresh. There's always hot bread. And I don't want old stale, old stale bread. Uh, Ronnie Sims, that he went to be with the Lord, but the pastor in Jackson, Mississippi, he, he came to Word of Life Birmingham and he preached on hot bread. Hallelujah. And we want hot bread. Praise God. We want what's fresh off the, the burner that God's doing. I don't want to be left behind. I'm just nosy enough that it's like, God, if you're doing it in the earth, I don't want to be over here stuck in an old paradigm. I want to keep up. Amen. If he's using children, bless God, let's let's get on with it. Hallelujah. Plus, there's nothing new under the sun. And some of this stuff that's coming around, you know, the old timers had these things. The children were being used and so forth. And, and I know right over here in Richmond, Virginia, uh, they write in the history of the revival books about a little boy named Little David. And he was an evangelist, was tremendous healing evangelist. And you know, praise God. I just have always been fascinated and amazed by that. Uh, so realize that we look at situations through a slant. Did you know every one of us in here have a slant that we're looking at situations through? And it's called our worldview. That's what some people call it. We have a worldview. Our worldview is based on our DNA for one thing. Because not only did you get physical things in the DNA from your parents, but the decisions they made and the thought process they have, they've proved, sciences have proved it, it's printed on their DNA. And then it gets passed. And that's why sometimes you just get things in families and, and curses and all sorts of stuff that, you know, it's going to take an act of God. It's going to take a supernatural miracle to get it out of our DNA and a renewed mind. Uh, also, how you were raised, those things that you saw repetitively over and over and over in how people acted and how people reacted. Poverty's passed down through the generations. Entitlements and that living in entitlement mentality is passed down through the generations. Prejudice and racism passed down in the generations, and we want to come out of all of that. Hallelujah. Whether it be against races or it be against women, you know, uh, the man that I heard teaching on empowering women, he said, why in 2013 are we still having to talk about women and empowering them for ministry in the church? And he said this, he said, you know, isn't it funny that we can have a woman president or we are open to that, but boy, we ain't going to let them do anything in the church. And of course, we're not talking about our church here. You know what I'm saying. But isn't that weird? Aren't we behind? Would you say some people need a renewed mind and we need to get that they're behind? And besides all that, he said our first clue should have been if we're the bride of Christ, and if you believe that, shouldn't your first clue have been that there's going to be a woman part to this thing? Because we're not called the bridegroom of Christ. 
So it's not an all-man thing. Hallelujah. Of course, we've been getting a renewed mind to this for many years. But even in places, even where they're, I've been in places that are word of faith and you should be further along, but women really, really aren't empowered there. Hallelujah. Okay. So we'll go on with that. Mm. So we have this worldview and our culture, the culture we were raised in. If you were raised in the South, you have a worldview. We just read about it. If you was raised in the Northeast, you're going to have a worldview. We got this problem. The Northeast is coming to the South in droves. North Carolina is changing. North Carolina is not just about gone heathen on us. Because why? Because there's so many from the Northeast pouring into those cities in North Carolina. Atlanta is a mixed Everything in the world, from every part of the world, lives there. Even Americans are moving all over the world now by the droves. We, the, because of everything being so fast and technology and everything, people are living everywhere where they used to stay more put in a, in a, in a region. You know, I remember when I first came to Alabama, I asked Miss Phyllis, I said, because I didn't get the whole South thing completely, you know, and I'm like, okay. I said, now, is Florida considered the South? And she said, no. <laughs> she said, the further South you go in Florida, the more Northern it becomes. And I did not know that because I'd never been to Florida. So you have a you have a, you have a worldview based on your culture, and some of it's good and some of it's not. You know, we... You know, hallelujah, there's good things in in every, it, well, I don't know about in every place. We might have to work hard in Iran and Iraq and some places like that. But there's things the way about, you know, people in different places are open to things that maybe we're not open to. Are closed to things that, that they need to be open to. It might be even a better way to say it. Then gender gives us a worldview. And, of course, age gives you a worldview. Hallelujah. It really does. Okay, so our, my goal here tonight and all this through this teaching is not to get you to think like me, but to get all of us to think like Jesus and act like Jesus and to begin to see, just to begin to be open to God. I may need some mindset changes in order to be victorious in some areas. It might concern money. It might be even concern how I view church. It might be concern how I how I view my responsibilities in church, what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, one of the mindsets we're having to change is to get out of the four walls. That God really, where the miracles and the words of knowledge and everything's going to flow is in the highways and hedges and in the marketplace. It's going to flow better there than anywhere. Hallelujah. And so that's, a, that's something that we're getting changed that's going to make us more victorious and cause us to have the things that that Jesus promised us we would have. Uh, we need to be aware that we might not be right. Did you ever think about that? You probably might have, but you know, there's a the personality style that I am. I'm not this way now, but if I just let my personality style go and I was just who, well, that's just who I am, I'd be always right. Hallelujah. We get in pursuit of renewed mind, not just, well, well, God, if you knock me over the head and tell me I'm thinking wrong. No, we're in pursuit of a renewed mind. We read the Bible with that goal. We come to church to think right. 
Hallelujah. Uh, and, and also coming to the realization that, and I think that this is an area that we've been perpetually disappointed in, is we've never come to the realization that some of these promises we're claiming, if we really want them to come to fruition in our lives, because Jesus said they were yes, and we say the amen, but we're going to have to change our mindsets in order to have some of them. It's trying, you know, you, you know, it's kind of like trying to get blessed uh, with hate in your heart or something like that. And maybe your maybe our mindset's not that serious, but it, we have to change our mind on how we see things in order to get healed, to get prospered, and so forth. And all of us need it to some degree or another. Absolutely. We're changing. Uh, so uh, we have to pull down some strongholds. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10.4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's talking about how that you got to get a renewed mind. That really when you have a, a worldview, but then you have inside your worldview, you have paradigms. And paradigms are simply patterns or models of how you think. And I usually think of a pattern, paradigm as a little box that you think in this little box or you work in this little box and you don't get out of that little box and that little box is your comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Or you can think of it as a rut. I'm in a rut in my thinking. I have a paradigm. And I need to get rid of that. And the Bible says that our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of these strongholds, these thoughts, these imaginations that keep us bogged down in something. Hallelujah. So we've been going over these victorious mindsets. And the first one was, and we're just going to review a little bit, the truth makes me free. And by that, we said we're overcoming destination disease. And so we're instead of just like someday, the someday syndrome is one thing you could call it also. The truth makes me free. Or when I get to a certain place, when I get rid of the kids, we're going to be wealthy when I get rid of the kids. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, well, there's usually something steps in. And if you don't get a renewed mind, it might be a grandkid that you have to raise or something like that. You know what I'm saying. Hallelujah. So we're overcoming this. And we say, I declare and say every day now, uh, I, know the, I know the truth and the truth makes me free. I want to know the truth. Lord, show me the truth about the areas where I'm not thinking right. And I pursue that truth. Remember about a few months ago, I talked to you about the woman who got the revelation of the truth bucket. She said, every one of us has a truth bucket. And so she said, Lord, I want you to show me everything in my truth bucket, things I'm believing that aren't true. And she said, and she committed she was going to write them down when the Lord showed her. And at the end of a week, she had 11 things that she believed that the Lord showed her was not true. Well, we all have some things in our truth bucket that need to come out where that's simply not true. Sometimes when we say, I can't, or there's no way, that would be a big one. If we just get this paradigm or this mindset, well, there's no way that could happen. But Bible says that nothing shall be impossible to him that believes. So the problem is that we have a paradigm that's not faith. Hallelujah. And so what's in our truth bucket? Number two, I do small things in a great way. 
and that's overcoming destination disease. Oh, now that was the same. What was the truth makes me free? Some I wrote down two things on the same one, and that's not right. Does anybody take notes enough to tell me what number one is? What was overcoming in number one, overcoming in number two? Okay, what was the overcoming in number one then? So I got them out of order. Okay, number one is overcoming getting zapped. Another just waiting around till we believe this supernatural power is just going to come on us and then we're going to get zapped. We're not going to have to change how we think about money. A million dollars is just going to come in. I'm believing for a million dollars. I'm believing for a paid-for house. Well, we may have to change some things about our... Good to believe for that, but we may have to change some things about how we're thinking and because how we're thinking is affecting what we're doing. I always think about people that are trying to get a million-dollar harvest uh, tipping God with a dollar. You're not going to get a million-dollar harvest on a dollar. You're going to have to stretch. That's that's the you think you're going to get zapped if you believe like that. But the dollar leads what the dollar you sow the dollar to get the five dollars to sow, and then you sow the five dollars to get the twenty, and then you sow the twenty to get the fifty. And you increase your sowing year after year after year, moving it up. You set yourself an amount. I have an amount that I give. It doesn't matter. And we'll talk about this later because it's one of the mindsets that it doesn't matter what's going on. I'm going to give that amount if I'm not tithing that week. Hallelujah. And, and, and there is another factor. You know, if the bank account's empty, I don't write a hot check. But if there's money there, I'm going to give a minimum of that amount. And some of you have done that. And I increase that because my, I'm getting bigger on the inside. I can increase it. Now, does it stretch me? Yes, at first. But you get used to it. And then you, and you keep stretching because you're not going to go to being a millionaire staying at the same level all the time. And that's a paradigm. It's, a, it's something you, and you're, you're thinking you're going to get zapped. But it's all based on sowing and reaping. Hallelujah. And there's some other things that in that way. So I kind of got ahead. So that's the zap. And then overcoming destination disease is someday. But the truth is that we have to do small things in a great way today. Today. Not someday I'll do that. And, uh, and that means I don't procrastinate. We had that little list last week and it showed that the mediocre way is to procrastinate. Now all of us procrastinate to some degree or another. But the clue is... For us, because we're wanting a renewed mind, is we need to find out why. Why do I procrastinate? The people that are habitually late can't, cannot be on time. You need to find out why. Because there's something working in your mindset, and it's not the renewed mind that is causing that to happen. And there's no condemnation, but you, but you can walk around the whole time, your whole life, saying, well, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, and there's not. You'll never have to pay for it except in what you reap. Jesus is not going to punish you when you get to heaven for it, but it is going to affect what you're able to do and how, how you're able to function. There, I bet that Eric could tell us, and I won't ask him, but I bet there's people that are late to coral every day of the week. He's not answering. He doesn't. <laughs> he chooses not to. But I bet there is. I bet there is at every place in town. Just like there's people that spend all their time talking, all their time drinking coffee. And then we wonder why we get laid off and stuff like that. Hallelujah. So, why am I procrastinating? And get, hey, this is an unrenewed mind. That's just how I am. And let me tell you something else. It's just my personality. Well, yeah, you have a personality, but you may need to 
make some changes in it. Somebody said, kill it. If your if it's flawed, kill it. Hallelujah. Kill your own personality. Hallelujah. Praise God. So uh, some things that can make us procrastinate. I'll just throw some things out there. But like I said, I'm not trying to change you. I don't want to. I don't know how. And I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what your mindset is and where you need a renewed mind. Hallelujah. But fear can cause us to procrastinate. I know that. I know some of these because, hallelujah, I had to do something today that was hard. I had to do a small thing in a great way, and it was hard to do. I didn't want to call a person, and it wasn't somebody in the church. Forget all that. But I, uh, you know, I didn't, I wanted, it was something business-wise I had to handle. And I didn't want to call them, and I didn't want to deal with it. Hallelujah. But I have to get out of this thing of procrastinating, and so I did it. But fear of delegation can cause us to procrastinate. Well, what does that mean? Well, we don't want to delegate to anybody, so we just get loaded and loaded and loaded and loaded, and it's not really that we're procrastinating. It's just that we're so far behind, it looks like procrastination. I thought about that. I don't like to ask people to help me. Mm, that is big. I, am, I, I can admit to you, I don't like to. And if I have to ask you to help me, I want to look you in the eye while I do it. I hate to call you on the phone, any of you in here, and ask you to do something. Hate it. I want to look at your eyeballs. I don't know why. Hallelujah. But what that causes in me is sometimes procrastination. And I think, oh, I'll do that at church Sunday. And then guess what? I get busy and I'm ministering and I forget. So then I say, okay, I'll do it Wednesday. And so I've got this... Thing that's not getting done that I need to do to ask somebody to go to the nursery or something. And so, hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, enjoying the control you feel by being the only one that knows how to do something. That gives us a sense of empowerment. You know, it's like, well, I'm the only one that can do this around here. You know, and I want to keep it that way. Uh, nobody can do it as good as me. This really happens in the home. Mamas sometimes don't want to make their kids help clean house because they won't do it as good. And that's sure, they won't and they never will because you never taught them and never made them and never made them go back and do it again and never trained them and never showed them how to sweep and never. And then they go to college and they, can, they don't even have a clue how to do nothing. Hallelujah. And then they get married and they still don't have a clue how to do anything. And my Lord, the disappointment that comes with that from their husband or their wife. Hallelujah. Uh, Overanalyzing. Did anybody ever be an overanalyzer? Man, I tell you, we used to have a lady in our church in Seminole. And I, now she was the worst I ever saw about this. But she had notebooks where she planned out things. Notebooks and notebooks of planning and planning and planning, but never doing or do, never, ever doing. Because she planned it to the hilt. But she just planned so much, and that's uh, that's an overanalyzing. Distractions. You know, I'm I'm a procrastinator because I get distracted. Well, you have to factor in distractions into everything. If you don't, because you're not living in the real world, if you think you're going to get it, no distractions, because you are going to have them, so you factor those in. Okay, if you believe you're a superhero. Secretly down inside, you believe you're really so wonderful and so smart and so capable that what ends up happening is maybe you're not really a procrastinator. You have just overloaded yourself because you really think you can do it all for everybody. And that's a super, you got superhero syndrome. 
Hallelujah. Laziness. You know, a lot of, sometimes procrastinators are just lazy, but that's not often that isn't the case. Lack of vision. That'll cause you to procrastinate. No hope. When you lose your hope, you'll procrastinate. You know, having no hope leads to being overwhelmed, and so you just don't do anything because it just seems so big. But hallelujah, that is just, you got to understand, that's just a lie, a fantasy of the devil. He's just made it look too big because God doesn't allow anything to be put upon us that we're not able to handle. If we're not able to handle it, he holds it back. Okay? So uh, no focus. Hallelujah. Some of us have given ourselves ADD. You know, we're just don't focus and hallelujah. No concept of time. I believe truly, and I believe this is a curse, but I believe there's people that were born and they just don't know what time is. They've never figured out. They don't have a sense of what five minutes is. They don't have a sense of what an hour is. And we've all fell in that at some time or another. Get busy doing something and first thing we know, it's 1130. But, uh, you know, but God can take care of that for you if you have no concept of time. And then perfectionism. We talked about that. I must have put it in there twice. But just everything having to be too perfect. You know, uh, Bertha in Seminole told me, she said, uh, I can't clean my house unless I have time to clean the whole house. And that mean, and she said, and take every book out of every bookcase. And so we just don't clean the house at all. That is perfectionism. You know, uh, one thing they taught us in Christian school, the guy that wrote the curriculum, he said, any, any strength taken too far becomes a weakness. Because so perfectionism can be a strength, but if you take it too far, it becomes a weakness. So anything that we have that's a strength, if we go too far with it, and that woman, that woman had taken that way, way, way too far. And so, hallelujah. So that, number three, last week was having done all I know to do, I stand. And this was overcoming being drained by unresolved situations. In other words, you could say, one way to say that is that you're kind of just in limbo. And you, you know, you, you just have, you're drained by just so many things that are not dealt with in your life. Pastor's always talking about, I got to me, he'll say, I'm going to today, I'm going to spend just tying up all the loose ends. Sometimes you just got to tie up all the loose ends, do all the little things, tie up the things because you need to deal with things and get rid of them out of your mind, especially Uh, deal with it. Just do it like that phone call I had to make today. I found myself procrastinating and I was preparing this lesson and I go, I'm going to go in there tonight and I am going to teach on procrastination and I am procrastinating on this phone call. So I made myself go get the cell phone because it was just kind of a dread. I don't want to say this to this person. And so it was kind of a dread. So I, I just prayed about it and I just prayed and I said, you know, I prayed what she would answer and what I would say. And, um, I, you know, I even asked the Lord to, you know, I didn't want to take it further than it needed to go, so I didn't want anything to get brought up. And so I just got dialed the number and did it. It was the easiest thing in the world. Couldn't have been easier. Felt such a sense of relief. It's done. I don't have to carry that in tomorrow. But really, at one point, I was saying, well, you know, I think I'll just wait till in the morning. 
And I even thought, this thought, I think I'll wait till she leaves the office and just leave a message. I had that thought. But I said, you know, that's not, that's not being a strong woman of God. I could have texted her, but that wouldn't have been being a strong woman of God. Pastor even said, I'll do it for you. I'll handle it for you. And I said, no, that wouldn't be being a strong woman of God. I need to do this. Hallelujah. And I don't get me wrong. I have pawned some things off of me before. Hallelujah. Because I know he has a turban. Hallelujah. He has that power of negotiation. Hallelujah. So uh, I'm endeavoring. This one, this one that I got a hold of has really helped me. And I am so endeavoring to buy into this one and quit allowing things to clutter up my mind. And quit going over and over how I'm going to do it, what I'm going to say, you know, rehearsing it. And if you've got a problem with somebody, maybe you had a situation that a conflict with somebody, you rehearse over and over what they said, what they said. Then you tell your husband 59 times everything they said, and y'all talk about it every day, well, what they said, and, and you know, you rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it. We've all been there. Hallelujah. And I have people in my life that are still rehearsing things that happened 20 and 25 years ago and what they said and how they treated somebody. And I'm like, if I have to hear this one more time. <laughs> do you feel that way, Myron? I can see you do. Okay. So I'm determined to get rid of this rehearsing and, this, and, and really then even worry. I don't consider rehearsing necessarily worry, but, you know, there is that worry where we go over and over, you know, Am I going to go to the doctor or am I not? Do I need to call the doctor? And then I have gotten into, yeah, but I don't know any doctors to go to. And yeah, but, you know, and I just, you know, and, and I don't know. And, you know, and I don't know what I'd say to the doctor if I went. And, you know, and, you know, and first thing you know, you just talked yourself out of going. But then, and that'd be fine if you settled it in faith. But then you just go back over it and come back over it and over it and over it and over it again. Hallelujah. And then you go to the doctor. You finally settle it and go to the doctor. And they go, oh, that's nothing. And you go, or they do a little test. And they say, no, no, it's nothing. And you go, that is, and that's what happens. Many times it has happened to me. It was nothing. And, you know, the devil has told you that you're just on your last breath. You're about to kick. You know, I mean, he has had me until really, uh, I would be like going into the, I would go, I've told you this before, but I would go into the ladies' bathroom, lock the door, and think about how they were going to get me out of there with the door locked. <laughs> uh, Michael's little brother bought his daughter a new Camaro. And, uh, and so Walt got in the back seat of the Camaro. And uh, Norma, Michael's mother said, we like to never got him out. 
<laughs> the Camaro. And uh, hallelujah, I told Michael, I said, yeah, I understand. Y'all would have to get the jaws of life. If I, I, and our Camaro would never be the same if I, by the time you ripped the side open to get me out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be in wisdom, people. Be in wisdom. Hallelujah. Number four, I am anointed. Hallelujah. This is a victorious mindset when you think of yourself all the time as I am anointed. Turn to 1 John 2.27. Hallelujah. Some cars, you know, the back seats weren't just not meant to be sitting in. Hallelujah. They're just for packages. Hallelujah. Especially by anybody over 16. Hallelujah. Okay, I am anointed. 1 John 2.27. Praise God. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. Abideth in you. That means it doesn't ever leave you. The anointing abides in you. It does not come and go. It do, it stays. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So it's not meaning that we shouldn't have, we don't need teachers in the body of Christ, and that we we do need teachers. God gave teachers in the fivefold ministry, but it does mean that the Holy Ghost is there to teach us what we need. Hallelujah! Even when there's not a teacher available, if we seek Him on something, He'll teach us. He'll show us. Praise God. And so we have this abiding anointing, and if we're going to think victoriously, we have to know that all the time. That means. When we, what are we going to overcome by having this knowing that we have this abiding anointing? We overcome waiting for the right feeling. Hallelujah. You are no longer waiting for the right feeling to minister to people. Well, you know, I think we've overblown this thing of I'm led by the Spirit. Well, certainly we need to be led by the Spirit. But if there's certain things in the Bible, we don't need to be led by the Spirit. We're led by the Word. You're not need to be led by this word, word spirit to say, go ye all go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples. You don't need to be led. You may need to be led about where to go that night, but any any night of the week you can go. And we need to get over uh, among us that we're waiting on Pastor and Michael and Debbie to start something. I really want to be in outreach ministry, but I'm really waiting on Pastor to start something. No, go outreach. Go do, Bethel Redding does the treasure hunts. He talked about it. Did you talk about that Sunday morning or was that with friends? Anyway, he talked about the treasure hunt. He didn't talk about it Sunday morning? Okay. The treasure hunts, they do this everywhere, but they, I don't know, that's where I read about it, is they get together, two or three people, a group, and they pray for a while in the Spirit, pray in tongues, and they listen believing to get a word of knowledge, knowing they will. Listen, if four to seven-year-olds can get words of knowledge, this must not be hard. Hallelujah. It must just be a faith thing. And they write down what they hear. And they may hear Starbucks, yellow shirt, you know, three or three things. White sunglasses. So they just get in the car then after they've heard and they go on the treasure hunt and they go to Starbucks and they look around for the yellow shirt. They look around for the white sunglasses. They just walk up to them and start strike up a conversation. Sometimes they get something maybe specific about healing. They might get right arm or, you know, something like that. But sometimes they don't have that. They just go on the, uh, you know, and that's a treasure hunt. And so we don't have to be led. 
Yeah, people are God's treasures. That's what, if you want to lay up treasure in heaven, it's not talking so much about money as it's talking about get people in heaven. And uh, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, they tell the story, I've heard somebody tell the story about uh, two women that came to the treasure hunt and they prayed and they got the words and they got, you know, something about sunglasses and something about a yellow shirt and a baby stroller. And so then on the way, they chickened out. And they decided, and everybody was going to the mall, and they just chickened out, and they just said, you know, we're scared, we can't do this. So they said, let's just go shopping, and then we'll go back and meet them when it's over. So they went shopping, and they went into J.C. Penney's, and they walked up to a counter, and guess what was there? A stroller, a yellow shirt, and sunglasses. Boy, were the, God set them up, didn't he? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. And they talked to her and got the baby healed. I don't know what all. Tremendous, you know, tremendous, tremendous blessings. So uh, this is not waiting to feel led. Pastor Webb used to keep a piece of lead under his pulpit and say, you want to feel lead? Okay, here it is. Come up and touch it. <laughs> that was, And then he said, you want to see a sign? And he had a little... <laughs> you need a sign from God to go do something? Hallelujah. So we're anointed. We have to grasp hold of this fact that we have this abiding anointing within us and that we can overcome waiting for the right feeling. We're victorious Christians. And if we have a victorious mindset, we're going to believe that we are strong even when we don't feel strong. And we have to practice this all the time in prayer. Tonight in prayer. Did anybody feel anything in prayer? It was just nothing. It was like but guess what we did? We just prayed. You know? We're not waiting to feel anything. And we trust that, that uh, you know, we're praying in the Holy Ghost that something was done. I like it better when I feel something. But you have to do this. If you're going to be strong in prayer, you're going to have to pray when you don't feel anything. I think purposely God sometimes has us have times when we don't feel anything. So we'll grow up. Hallelujah. Feel so I'm strong when I don't feel strong. And my goal and your goal is to function from faith, not emotion. Because what you feel is an emotion. Hallelujah. And the more we let emotions rule us, the more emotional we will be and the stronger our emotions will grow. Like, for instance, if you uh, feel the, uh, the emotion of anger and you act on it and you pay a lot of attention to that, and you keep acting on that emotion of anger, guess what? You'll just get angrier. Your emotion of anger will grow or any other emotion. So we make our decisions on the Word, not on emotion. Hallelujah. And that helps us. If we make our emotions based on the Word and not emotions, then we will get past, well, I can't do what God told me to do because I just hate to disappoint that person. Right? If the Word said it, and I have this, then I, I can't sass myself, well, is this going to disappoint somebody? If the Word says it, can I ask myself that? If, can, if the Word says it, can I ask myself, is this going to hurt their feelings? Well, now I can do my best to present it in a way that won't hurt their feelings. I can be kind instead of, the Word says, you know, I don't have to cram it down their throat. 
But can, do I really have a choice in life? If I want to be victorious, if the Word says it, I don't. And so that's being led by our emotions. My emotions say, I don't, oh. And some of us feel that emotion of not wanting to hurt people a lot more than others of us do. But we all feel it to some degree or another. Hallelujah. I hate to disappoint. I hate to disappoint them. Well, you know, I don't really think my kids should see this movie, but I hate to disappoint them. We're going to live by, I hate to disappoint. That's an emotion. Hallelujah. And your kids are going to have some emotion when you tell them. <laughs> but, hallelujah. We got to live by principles and by the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you know, don't just say no to be saying no. We need to find things we can say yes to. Absolutely, don't we? Uh, uh, I don't feel like it. Is that an emotion? I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, man, I'm just feeling really sad today. I'm feeling really down. Boy, it is so gloomy. It's been raining and gloomy for three and a half weeks. And my, but, but we don't live by that, do we? No. I, so that, when we open the door to that, like, boy, it is just so gloomy and my, my mood is so down. If you open, the, that's the first, the first, that's a door to depression. Because did you know everybody's depression started with one day of feeling down? Even if it was caused by medication. Even if it was a medication, because medications can cause depression. But that doesn't mean you can't rise up over it, even though the medication causes some things. Hallelujah. And then also you can make a choice to get off of it. Hallelujah. So leaders, as leaders, we are thermostats. We are not thermometers. A thermometer can tell you what the temperature is, but it can't do anything about it. But a thermostat can tell you what the temperature is and can change it. And that's what we want to be is thermostats. So we're not led by our emotions. Um, hallelujah. So I want you to believe tonight and say this with me. I have an anointing. And it abides with me. And it never leaves me. Hallelujah. Number five, oh, victorious mindset. I'm called of God. Ephesians 5, 17. This nearly sounds like the same thing, but it's a little different. Ephesians 5, 17. I am called of God. And when we acknowledge this, what we are overcoming is being regularly disappointed. And we'll explain that further. But Ephesians 5, 17 says... Hallelujah. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. And knowing that I am called of God. When we acknowledge and have the mindset that we are called of God, then we should automatically know that He's going to send us to some tough places. And that will get us over being perpetually disappointed. Disappointed by people, disappointed by circumstances. Because we're called, because we're called of God, we're called to bring light to dark places. And so we get over being disappointed because we're not surprised when we go take a job and then find out, you know, there's some things to overcome at this job. Hallelujah. 
we're not surprised. We're not surprised about things. And some of us live in perpetual disappointment. But we're called to be lights in dark places. And so God sends us purposely to places that have that He wants to bring light into. He wants to bring life there. We're to bring life into negative situations. And so I'm quitting being surprised when things are harder than I expect them to be. Now, I could have been real surprised when we moved to Alabama that it was this hard and that it took this long. I could, have be, I could be surprised. And I have been amazed, <laughs> but I won't say. But I haven't been so surprised that I quit because that's the danger is, you know, to get disappointed and you quit. Hallelujah. So we, it's because we know we're called, we have to be willing to be a solution. If God had needed you someplace, he wouldn't have sent you. And part of that is uh, get changing our focus on I'm going to take this job to get something. I'm taking this job uh, to contribute something. Hallelujah. When you come to River Church, you didn't come to get something. You came to contribute something. Hallelujah. And you'll get something too. But that's not, we just change our focus a little bit from getting to contributing. Hallelujah. There's not a lot of employees out there that have come to contribute. And, you know, that kind of eliminates complaining in our lives because we're contributors. And we're not surprised that there's a situation. Hallelujah. You don't get married to get your needs met. If you're looking for somebody that can meet your needs and will take care of you, you need to switch that around and start looking for somebody that you can take care of and that you can be a blessing to. Hallelujah. Because if you're looking to be taken care of, you're going to be disappointed. Um, hallelujah. So we know we're called. We have a godly purpose. Praise God. We stay in our call. And when things get negative, when times get tough, we just stay in our call. Hallelujah. Keep going. And we, we're not disappointed all the time with our situation. Hallelujah. And when God gets through abusing you there, if you've been a contributor and you've been a blessing, He'll promote you to something else. He'll promote you to a harder place. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I should have known that when we left Seminole. Hallelujah. That it was going to be harder. I don't care if this is the fourth most open place in the... I would say it's just as hard as Seminole and just different though. Different different mindsets, different culture. But God sent us to be a light. He sent us to be an answer. I've said it before. If he, if he, if it was everything was the way it was supposed to be here, he he wouldn't have sent us. Hallelujah. He did the last thing we need is another church in Tuscaloosa. The ones we have aren't full. We don't need any more. So we must have needed a different kind. And that's why we're here. And, you know, it's taken a while, but we're preparing. We're preparing for something that's bigger than we ever thought or dreamed. Because we would have came to Tuscaloosa if God just said, well, you know, you'll have 200 people. And hallelujah, that would have been a blessing. We would have probably come if he'd have said 100. Actually, we came to Alabama and he just said, go and travel. Hallelujah. But everything God said, you're called. 
And so everything God gives you to do is going to stretch you and make you grow more. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray tonight. Let's pray out some of the plan. Yes, Hallelujah. Let's pray for just a minute. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. We magnify you. Thank you for the plans that you have for us corporately. But Lord, every individual.